0: So I trust that God will give me the strength that I need, the wisdom that I need to go as long as He wants me to go. But while we are here, we should be faithfully serving God and doing something with our lives. So whenever you see this and understand this, then look there again in Ephesians in chapter 4 where it makes a statement about the measure in verse 13. Unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of who? So have you reached that measure in your life where you're just like the Lord? It's a high calling, isn't it? Do you think everybody in this room has a little work to do yet? We haven't yet arrived. But to have the unity that we should have and to do what God wants us to do, it's all in the book. Now in verse 19 of chapter 3, I want you to see that. And to know. So there's something that you may be able to understand. And then he wants you to know this. The love of Christ which passes knowledge. That means human knowledge. That ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Be filled with all the fullness of God. Whatever makes God do what God does will help you to do what you do. And he talks about in the book of Colossians in chapter 2 when it talks about In Him, Christ, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead. And you have God as your Father, you have the Holy Spirit indwelling you, and you have the example of Christ. You have all that you need and all that I need. Wouldn't it be neat if we could just do all of this without the interruptions of the lust of the flesh, the trials of life? If we could just wipe all of that away, sometimes it seems like it would be, be so much easier but then we would get no treasures. We would get, there'd be no, no war, no, no medals, no, no achievements. But because of all those things, and you do it in spite of that, then you're really going to have to love the Lord more than you love anything else in the world, or you'll let anything in the world stop you. Does the love of God constrain you that makes you do what you do? and nothing, nothing can stop you. That's powerful stuff. Then you look there in chapter 4 where it makes this statement. How that you used to be and now how that you are. See there in verse 22? That you put off concerning the former behavior, manner of life, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. That old nature that you have is deceitful. Lusts are deceitful. They promise you joy and pleasure and happiness and all this. And will give you praise and honor and glory. Do your own thing. Go your own way. But it's deceitful. God's kind of fun has no sorrow that follows it the next day. I've watched a lot of people rebel against God. But I've never seen one of them win. They never win. You'll win if you'll serve the Lord all your life, not just Christians enter the race, run the race, and if you want to finish well, you need to run well, and are you running well, you did run well, what teaching caused you not to run like you ought to, who did hinder you from obeying the truth, so he makes a statement here in this verse, in verse 21 If so be that ye have heard him, and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, then there's something to put off, and there's something to put on. See, God pictures it like, hey, take off those old clothes and put on some new clothes. Put off that old man and put on a new man. So that's why he says in verse 24, and that you put on the new man. Well, how do you put on this new man? Well, look at the verse right before it, verse 23. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. In other words, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do you renew your mind? With the word of God. That you may prove or discover what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So the question comes down is, okay, now I know what I'm supposed to do. Am I disciplined? Are you disciplined? It means can you tell yourself what to do and make yourself behave and make yourself mind? If you can't mind you, why should you get upset if your kids don't mind you? So we are to be disciplined. Now I say very little about discipleship. But everything that I do is about discipleship. And that means it to discipline, to get people to discipline their life. Take your Bible and look at the book of Romans in chapter 12. Romans in chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, you'll notice there in verse 2. Verse 2. This is what God wants us to do. Be not conformed to this world. So whatever your discipline is, whatever you do and don't do, There is something to do, and there's something not to do. Do not be conformed to this world. That would be putting on the old man, because that's all the world has is the old man. You don't want to be like the world. You don't want to live according to the old man, your old sinful nature, being guided by the lust of the flesh. But, as he says here, be transformed, all right, That's by the renewing of your mind. And the renewing of your mind is the spiritual life. Your spiritual life can't be much stronger than your spiritual mind. That's why when we want kids to dedicate their lives to the Lord and we want them to be challenged to put God first in their life for the rest of their life, we get them into the Word. That's why I love having Bible memorization, putting the Word into the kid's mind. And it may not begin to nurture for 10, 15, 20 years. But I'm a patient man. And as the years have rolled by, I've seen the Word of God take root. And lives changed. Years after I've left people and had nothing to do with what they did. And they can go a thousand different ways, but somewhere along the line those seeds begin to grow. Some people have to come to the end of themselves. Find out, you know, going down a sliding board is hard to stop halfway. Some people have to go cling to the bottom before they realize, I can't go any further. I'm nothing. I need God. And I want the Lord. And God begins to work in their life. But they have to hit a bottom. they got to have a foundation, a place can't go any lower. So that's why sometimes in your Christian life, when you are filled with pride, God will just take and pull that rug out from under you. He'll remove all means of support. And you will be left totally destitute of an answer, a clue, a cure, until you're down at the bottom. and And then you, as I preached a sermon one time called, Faith is born in despair. When there's no other way, nobody can help you, and you think nobody really cares. Nobody loves me, and you realize my father still loves me. And you'll cry out to the Lord, and you'd be surprised what God can do in your life. Now, look in Ephesians in chapter 4 and in verse 20. I want to just show you this one more time. Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4, and look at this verse one more time because it's so important. In verse 22, where he says, that ye put off concerning the former behavior, that means don't be conformed to this world, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that's Romans chapter 2. Is telling us what you need to do to solve the problem, how that you can think differently. And then he says in verse 24, and that you put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Then he tells you the things to put off, what he means. And as you go through here, you'll see a lot of things. And then look in verse 30. I covered it this morning, but that's in reference to it, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Now, what would cause him to be grieved? For you and I, not to let the Holy Spirit teach us the Word of God. You see, when people stay away from church, who are they hurting? They're hurting themselves. Because when you don't listen to the Word, the Holy Spirit can't teach you, lead you, guide you, and you will not grow as you should have grown. Isn't there places in the scripture that says, for ye are dull of hearing? I don't want to hear no more. I hear once a week's enough for me. And it says, when you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, you cannot handle meat because you're still a child, you're still a babe. You're in the Lord, but for the time you ought to be teaching. You ought to be able to teach the Word of God, but you have need that. You've got to have more teaching because you can't teach yet. Why shouldn't every child of God be able to teach the Word of God? Do you believe that we are to equip the saints for the work of the ministry? What is the work of the ministry? Not long ago I preached a whole sermon on what is the work of God. Y'all remember that at all? What is the work of God? I thought it was a pretty good sermon myself. So as you go through and you read these things and understanding what God is saying, and then he closes down here in verse 32, "And be ye kind one to another. Tender-hearted. Forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. And so when you're strong in the Lord, you can forgive others because of what they've done to you, Or what they say, hurt, all those things. Strong, you can forgive easy. If you're weak, you have trouble forgiving you carry the hurt. you carry the bitterness. And it's hard for you to get over it. Well, that's because you're still weak in the faith. You're not as strong as you ought to be. You see, those are signs that your spiritual life is in trouble. When you become envious and filled with jealousy, you see, you can't be filled with the Holy Spirit and filled with envy and filled with jealousy and filled with malice all at the same time. Something's wrong. So... You, you want the love and the joy and all those things, but there's other things that fills your life and you think about it and you dwell upon it and it can be very corruptive, as the scripture says, and cause you not to be what God wants. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians and chapter 10. And you notice that there's just a, a few verses here I want you to look at from verse 3 down to verse 6. Because as a child of God, remember, how are you doing spiritually? Well, we don't fight our battles with tanks and guns and hand grenades and bazookas and so forth. Ours is a spiritual battle that we're involved in. And there's all kinds of spirits who control a lot of people and teach them things that are not true. And they believe the lie. And because they believe the lie, they want to teach you a lie. And sometimes people can be used to say the the meanest, ugliest things. Now, you won't believe this. Now, I was in a restaurant one day, and I think it was McDonald's. And the computer was down, and, and I had given her the money, you know, to pay for my food. And the girl behind the counter did not know how to make change. They were a high school kid, but they didn't know how to make change. Because they never make change, they don't have to worry about it. They just hit a button, and they, it comes out there, and there you got it. But they couldn't subtract. And I gave a five-dollar bill, and it was like three dollars and something, and they couldn't come up with the difference. They didn't know what it was. So I tried to help, and then somebody else had to come over. She was just totally, you know, beside herself, a little embarrassed, a little ashamed. <laughs> but it still happened. There's a lot of people like that. If you don't have to use your brain, you just punch a button. You don't have to think anymore. We almost got to that place. I remember when I had to remember a phone number. I don't have to remember any phone number anymore. Do you? Call Dan Hall. So, So well, that was easy. So I don't have to remember anything like that. I don't even have to, I, I used to have to look at a map to find out where I'm going. I don't have to do that. Navigate to Calvary Community Church. Turn left, turn right, go a half a mile, blah, blah, blah. You are there at your destination. I had one of these in my motorhome. I was trying to find the People's Baptist Church. there in Corpus Christi, Texas. And I'm driving down this interstate at 70 miles an hour. And the little lady comes on there and says, you are there. <laughs> I looked at Betty. I says, honey, we're not there. And it, I'm on the expressway going 70 miles an hour. And it says, you're at your destination. I talked back to the little lady. I says, I am not. I, <laughs> with the expedition to come back on, you are too. Now stop. <laughs> I wasn't even close. I was 10 miles away. So sometimes you get the wrong information, but the other day I was at a restaurant, and so I walked up there, and she was having computer problems. And so I, I says, um, you are able to give change without the computer, aren't you? And she looked up at me. She was a little frustrated because she looked at me, and she says, I'm not that dumb. <laughs> and I realized I said the wrong thing. I, I, I said the wrong thing. But I was remembering what experience that I had with somebody else. <laughs> so today I saw her again, and I said, I need to apologize for you. I said, I didn't mean to offend you. I said, I, I was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. I said, but this is what had happened before, and I just didn't know whether or not could you give change. And I remember, she's not a teenager. She was an older lady, and she probably graduated from school. And she was able to figure out you know how to write, add, and divide, and subtract, and all those things. So after I apologized, oh, she was, fine. she was fine. It didn't bother her at all, but it bothered me that I bothered her, and I didn't want her to think that these smart-aleck preachers, they just... You know. So I, I apologized to her, and uh, didn't leave her a tip, though, but I apologize. Now, one more scripture I wanted to share with you. Well, I have a bunch of them. I, I never get to finish all my sermons. But um, Let's, let's look at First Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Now we know that the Bible tells us to rejoice always. Rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. But in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and look there in verse 16. Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing. And everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. If you know the will of God, and you believe that you are doing what God wants you to do, did you know you shouldn't get upset if God allows things to come into your life that you can't explain? It seemed like there's no use for this. The other day I was a little upset. I, I get upset sometimes. And uh, I had gotten this other car out here, you know. The other one that I had, it wrote down every month. And I was always with something. So I had got the other car. So I went to get something checked on it. And they changed the, you know, the oil, and that's fine. You've got to do that. And they rotated the tires. Well, you've got you to do that. And then they told me, it says, you know, your brake fluid looks like it needs to be changed. I thought, I've never changed brake fluid. So I told them, I says, "Does it have to be done?" They said, "Well, it should. If you know, it's been in there for a long time. And it's dirty." I says, "Go ahead and change that too." And then they call. We got the car and left. They call up later and on the phone and says, um, "We noticed in the back, on the right-hand side, something wrong with a, a differential bushing." And all I'd wanted was an oil change but they found this and this and this. So I went up there and I said, I want to see the problem. So they put it up on the rack and they looked at it and I'm watching them through the window and I'm thinking to myself, they're trying to gouge me for every nickel I got. And I was getting ready to for my defense. I'm going to let them have it, buddy. I've got to be strong enough to you know, let them know you're not pushing me around. So the guy came in here and he says, "Uh, we want you to come and look at this. I thought they probably got a hammer and they beat the thing just so that I would, you know, they can say this, you got to fix that. So I went and I looked at it and he says, I don't think, and I don't know how this happened. And I looked at it and I says, I don't either. And a piece had been broken off. And there's no way we can Figure out how. I says, is, does it have to be replaced? He says, oh, no. It just, we just need to let you know that it's, it was, something was wrong. But he says, it's not going to affect the driving. I says, so how much is that going to cost me? He says, nothing. He says, and also the, uh, the brake fluid. He says, no, no charge for that. Plus, we're going to go ahead and wash your car for you, too. I got the statement. I said, Betty, let me see that statement. She let me see it. Zero, zero, zero. Didn't charge me anything. Isn't it amazing? I was thinking one way. And I walked out of there smelling like a rose. Did you know you can imagine things really being bad? And it not be bad at all? Have you even thought of oh I got a pain in my side. I'm dying. I'm dying. I know I'm dying. I got a pain. I never had that pain there before, and I, I, I got cancer. They have to operate and take out my whole side. And you'd be surprised how that man, your mind can go wild, and all you had was gas. <laughs> Something so simple, and you'd be surprised how fear can destroy your Christian life, and you'll live in fear and afraid. Listen. Can you trust the Lord to walk you through all of your heartaches and problems? He knows what's going on. God wasn't surprised by anything. I believe that God was kind of testing my little, uh, my pride a little bit. Do you always think everybody's out to get you? To do you in? Sometimes I don't like saying these things, but it's the truth. And I know if they happen to me, you're not much different than I am. You imagine things too. And it's your imagination that can run wild with you. And that's why over there in the book of Corinthians. I was going to read to you from chapter 10 in about verse 3 down to verse 6 where it talks about every imagination coming into the captivity of Christ where the Lord captures your mind instead of the old man getting a hold of your mind. And causing you to think and to believe things that are not true. So the Lord works in our lives. So how are you doing spiritually? Fine. Are you you spiritually well? you think you're spiritually well? Spiritually sick? Take these two verses and see me next Sunday. The Bible is like a medicine cabinet. And you read from the Bible, and it's like taking medicine. It'll help you spiritually. Remember, the world can't help you grow spiritual. Only the Word of God. And that's why you read it. That's why you study That's why it gives such comfort. And when you're not right with the Lord, isn't it amazing how it can make you so uncomfortable? It's a mirror in which we see ourselves. Look up here. Letting this hand represent you and me, and the wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. God says that He loves us. He hates our sin. And for us to pay for it is eternal separation from God. But God loves us. He wants us to go to heaven. But to go to heaven, we have to be perfect, as righteous as God, and none of us are perfect. We've all sinned. We've all come short of God's perfection. So God says you cannot earn eternal life. You can't work your way to heaven. Lest any man should boast. So God says, I'm going to do something for you, and I'll make it free. That sounds pretty good. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He was the Lord. See, He came into the world, lived 33 and a half years, didn't sin. So He didn't have to die. But because He loved us, He took our place. He took our sins. He paid for it, came back from the dead. Said that if you and I, if we would believe He did it for us, He would give us as a free gift everlasting life. His death for my sins will become my payment I don't have to make. So now I have eternal life and I'm going to heaven whenever I die. But I'm not there yet. So the Lord, in order to live here, gave me His power, the power of His might, the Holy Spirit, to indwell us. And if you will yield yourself to Him, He'll teach you how to live. The Lord can teach you how to live how to handle every trial, every tribulation, every temptation. He can teach you everything you need to know. But you got to let him. He will take you through his word, and he will highlight things as you read and study it. And a lot of it, you won't even get it. It won't make any sense. You won't understand it. But all of a sudden, there'll be a verse that says, this is for you. This is for you. This is all you need right now. And then next time you'll read it, ah, I didn't see this before. And they will teach you something else. It is the living Word of God. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around. If you're here tonight and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, you can do that right where you are. You don't have to stand up. You don't have to come forward. You don't even have to raise your hand. All you need to know is, I'm talking to the Lord and God sees, and He understands. He knows those who will believe it. Will you believe it? If you will believe that when Christ died, He died for you, He'll give you as a free gift everlasting life, and you get to go to heaven on what Christ did for you. Would you trust Him? And if He will, God said He would save you. You can know you're going to heaven. If you're watching by internet, on the screen, there's a little button up there that says, Yes, I will trust Christ as my Savior. Would you do that? Would you trust the Lord? We'd like to know. It just sends us a message that says, yes, I trusted Christ as my Savior. And that's such a blessing. So with his bow nice eyes closed, anyone all be, before we close, say, yes, I will trust Christ as my Savior tonight and preach, I'd like you to pray for me. Anyone at all? If you have trusted Christ as your Savior, how are you doing in your spiritual life? Are you growing spiritually? Are you getting stronger and stronger? Did you know that you have within you the Holy Spirit to teach you, to lead you, to guide you, and helping you to do everything He wants you to do? He can walk with you through all of these trials that you have, and we have them. We have a lot of lust of the flesh. He can, he can give you the strength to desire the, the right things. Father, we thank you so much for all you've done for us. Thank you for your Word. We ask you to strengthen us as we need to be. Each one of us are different but same Holy Spirit. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.